Okay, well, let me say before Shlomo Piyaslik Aaron ben Miriam. We're right in the middle of the Gemara's question. Actually, we start for six, seven lines down on Hayam et al. We're right in the, in the middle of the question. The Gemara started off with the question. We tried many different solutions. Nothing worked, and we're back to where we started from. The problem is as follows. We said in the Mishnah that if the, the Ani takes something out of the Balabayas' hands, Balabayas is holding something in his hands, and the Ani takes it out, that it's considered that the Ani has done it in Akira. And vice versa, if the Ani is holding something inside his hand, and the Balabayas takes it out of his hand, and it's considered that the Balabayas is done in Akira. And the problem is that a hand is not an area that is four by four tzvachim. The hand is very small. And the Gemara thinks that in order to have something be considered significant enough, that it's an Akira, then the item has to be at rest in a, in, a, in, a, in a real space, not just like a small area. It has to be in a real place, a real significant size, a size of four by four tzvachim. Or else, it's not considered at rest in permanence. So why is it considered an Akira if I take something out of a hand? That's the question that we're dealing with. So we're trying to find all sorts of Tanon who may give us evidence from a Bryce or a Mishnah that you could do an Akira even in an area that's less than 4 by 4 talking. So we're up to El Amar Abzera. About eight lines down. El Amar Abzera, Hamani Achirim here. We're going like the opinion of the Achirim, the others. The Tanya, it says in the Bryce, Achirim Omrim, others say, Amad bi Mekumo v'kibel chayev. Akar mi Mekumo v'kibel pat. So what are we talking about here? People playing catch. One person throws something and somebody else catches it. So what's the law? Again, throwing something on Shabbos is an entails malacha. It's, a, it, it, it's just very similar to what it's all. You make an Akira with the throw and when it lands, you make a Hanacha. So that's all good if when you throw it, it lands on the floor. So then it landed from your force. So the Hanacha comes from the force of the thrower. So the thrower did both the Akira and the Hanacha. But if he's playing catch with somebody and somebody else is catching it, so then what's the law? Did the person throwing it make the Hanacha? Or did the person catching it make the Hanacha? And the question would then be, is the one who threw it, is the one who threw it liable or not? So, 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 here, so here's what we would say. If, if the person stood in his place and he's stationary and he just, it's right there, he doesn't have to move at all, he just catches it. So then the one who threw it, it's Chayim. Because it's considered he made the Hanacha. He threw it into the person's hand. And that's, that's considered the Hanacha. He made the Hanacha by throwing it in his hand. However, if he had to move, the receiver had to move from his place in order to catch it. He had to, you know, like it was playing a running catch and he throws a running catch and the receiver goes and catches it, then he would be pot. Rashi explains, we look at that hanacha at that particular way that the hanacha is done, it's coming from the catcher, not from... Uh, no, if, the, if, 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 he, if, if he's running. If, no, so then both are pot. In other words, like this. What's the rule? If in order to be chayv, you have to do both an akira and a hanach. So if the one, if it was a running catch, so the akira is done by the thrower, then the receiver does the hanacha, so both are pater. We each only did half. But if the person is standing, if the receiver was stationary and all he did is he pulled out his hand and fell, it fell perfectly in, then we view that the thrower did the hanacha as well. What's the difference if he throws it and it lands on the ground, if he throws it and it lands in right there? And therefore, the thrower is chayav. So we have a question. If the thrower, if the thrower threw it right into the, out, the, the stationary hand, we say it's chayav. But why? He threw it in a hand. Right? That's what, the same very similar issue to what we're struggling with in our Mishnah. That a hand is not a place that's significant because it's not four by four to fachim. So how can that be an area where the item comes to be at rest? It's inside of the hand. 
Rather, we derive from here, it must be that you do not require a place that's four by four. And so too, in applying to our Mishnah, if the item is held in a hand that's, that's not four by four, right, maybe you don't need, for, and the Gemara wants it for both Akir and Anacha, and the Gemara is trying to prove it from here where you see Anacha. So the Gemara asks, doesn't help for our Mishnah. In this case, in the Akhirim, all you see is that in order to make it come to rest, it doesn't have to land on an area that's four by four. But perhaps in order to uproot something, to do a Maisa Akira, you need more. You need to take it off of something that is four by four. This was the same issue that the Gemara struggled with, with yesterday. It's difficult to even know what the Gemara was thinking trying to bring this proof when we clearly yesterday already made this point that we're looking for evidence, not that Hanaga doesn't have to be on four by four, but even on more, that the Akira doesn't have to be on four by four. Says the Gemara of Hanacha Nami, and even in terms of proving the Hanacha, you can't prove it from this case. Maybe the case was that the receiver had like a large, uh, like a cloak, like a large cloak, which was four by four, and he caught it in the cloak. In other words, he spreads out his cloak and he catches it inside of that. So there, there might be a Hanacha inside of four by four tefacha. So we're assuming, you know, he catches it in his hand. So if he catches it in his hand, the hand is not four by four tefachim. But the, the Gemara's point is maybe it's something, he caught it in something larger. And if you caught it in, inside of something larger, if he spread out his cloak, so then maybe we can consider that to be anachah within four. So now going back to our Mishnah, we're still stuck. We need evidence. We don't have any good evidence that you could do an Akira from less than four. So our, our, our assumption is that in order to be an Akira, you need it to come off of a place that's four by four. In our Mishnah, it doesn't seem to have that because in our Mishnah, it's in a hand. So what's the pshat that it's an Akira? So the Gemara answers, Amar Rabbi Abba, Mastisin Shigon Shekibla, Betrasko, Behiniach Algabi Trasko, the Ikanami Hanacha. In our Mishnah, there's actually a basket involved. It's not really the hand, there's a basket. The hand is holding a basket. And the basket does have the proper dimensions. The basket is four by four tefachim. And the Ani is holding it in a basket, and uh, the Baalabais is taking it out of the basket, and vice versa, putting it inside of a basket. Uh, to do the Hanukkah. So therefore we're answering that it's really the whole thing was a mistake. It's not a hand here. It's being held in a basket. So the Gemara says, but the language doesn't tolerate that. The Mishnah says, Yado. Yado is a hand. So the Gemara says, Tani We mend the text. We change the text to read the basket that is in the hand. Okay. So the Gemara says, That's good for the Baal Bias. The Baal Bias who's inside in the Rishos HaYachid, instead of saying he's holding it in his hand, we can say he's holding it in a basket in his hand. If let's say a person has a is holding a four by four tefach basket in the street, an item that's inside the basket is where it's really considered to be in Rishus Rabim? No, says the Gemara. An area that's four by four tefachim, as long as it's above ten tefachim from the ground. This is important. Why the Gemara thinks this is unclear, but as long as it's above ten tefachim and it's four by four tefachim, why? So the Gemara then assumes, what's the status? It's a Rishos HaYachid. You can have a Rishos HaYachid within the greater street. It's possible. So if, what's that? So, yeah, because it's above and the Mara thinks, and once it's four by four, it will establish itself to be a Rishos HaYachid, even though it's in the quote-unquote bigger street. So the Gemara thinks this is a Rishos HaYachid. So then, I'm sorry. Like the wagons that were a Rishos HaYachid within a Rishos Exactly. No, the wagons were higher. So the, I have a basket now, 
So now the Gemara is thinking it's going to throw everything off because if I have a four by four tefach basket, if it's true that it's above ten tefachim and it's in the Rishus Rabbim, then an item inside that basket is not in the street. So if the Balabais go back to that case where he took it out and brought it, he shouldn't be chayav. So the Mar says, Lima to look Rabbi Yisrael maybe it's not going like Rabbi Yisrael Yehuda, where we see that such a thing as a Rishus Ayacha, the Tan Rishus Yehuda Omer. No, it's kind of Rishus Rabbim. Somebody uh, bangs in like a pole, like a small pole, very thin pole in the street. Uberosho Trasko, on top of the pole is a basket. Zarg Vanach Al Gabav, and something lands inside the basket. So you have something again that's high off the ground. It's above 10 Tfachim and 4 by 4 Tfachim wide, even though it's in the greater surrounding area, quote unquote, of the street. Yerchayav, it establishes it to Rishus Ayachit. Right. What is it? Yeah. So, so, so we're at, and what's prove it that it can't be like Rabbi Yisrael Yehuda? Like Rabbi Yisrael Yehuda, then it's going to throw off our case. Pasha Balabais is Yad Alachot. The Balabais extends his hand into the tree. And the Tzochiyado Shalani, it says he puts it in the Ani's hand. He's Chayav. Why is he Chayav? Am I Chayav? He's taking out from one Rishus Hayachid and putting it into another Rishus Hayachid. That shouldn't be considered a Chayav. In order to be Chayav, you have to put it, transfer Rishus, you go from Rishus Hayachid to Rishus Harabin. If it's going into a basket that's four by four Tvachim, and it's above, and it's four by four Tvachim wide, above Tven Tvachim in the street, so then you're going into Rishus Hayachid. So why, if we're going to say that the reason why you're doing an Akira and Anacha in the Mishnah is because you're doing it in a basket that's four by four tefachim wide. If that's the way we're going to answer our problem, then we're going to make other problems. Because if the basket is four or five tefachim wide, and the Gemara assumes at this point that it's above ten tefachim from the ground, so then you're placing the item not into a Rishas Arabim in Nani's hand in the street, you're placing it in the basket, you're placing it in another Rishas Ayacha. So why would there be a liability for Hodsah? So has it already been established that it is a basket as opposed to just a hand? The Gemara was trying to attempt it. Right. The Gemara is attempting it because right. the Gemara is trying to satisfy the issue that you're not putting it in a place that's four by four. Because the Gemara, remember the Gemara, that's how we got into this. We're trying to figure out. You have to do Akira Anacha, the Gemara thinks, from a place that's four by four. So in order to answer that, we attempt to say that you're not putting it in a hand, but in a basket. But that makes problems. Because if the basket's four by four, and the Gemara assumes it's ten tefachim off the ground, then actually it's no longer considered halakhically to be putting it into Rishos Rabim. So then it throws off the case in the Mishnah. The Mishnah says if the Baal takes some, the loaf of bread and puts it in, 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 now we're saying he's putting it in the basket, that he's liable. Why is he liable? He's moving it from one Rishos to another Rishos So the Gemara answers, Afilu Tema No, it could make sense. All that discussion with the pole is all when it reaches a, a higher than a, a height of ten tefachim. We could say that the basket in, that's held inside of the, the Ani's hand is lower than 10 Tvachim off the ground. So therefore, it's still in Rishon Sarabim. So even if the basket is 4 by 4, it's 4 by 4, 4 Tvachim wide, as we want to suggest because we're trying to attempt that to, to, to solve the problem of the 4 by 4 Tvachim issue, but it's within 10 Tvachim. So if, since it's within 10 Tvachim, it's within the confines of the Rishon Sarabim itself. So then we do not say that it is considered a Rishon Sayyachid. And therefore, everything now makes sense. We've satisfied both issues. We've satisfied how you're doing the Hotsaw, and we've satisfied how it's a four by four tzvachim. However, the Gemara still doesn't buy it. Says the Gemara, Kashali Lerebavo. Rebavo still found this difficult. Mikatani Trasko Shabiyado. Does it really say in the Mishnah the basket that is in his hand? You change the text to do that, says the Gemara. You're not allowed to do that. Hayado Kitani. It says his hand. 
So the Gemara simply doesn't buy that we can change the Gersa here. The Gemara is not accepting this at all. The Mishnah says that he puts it into his hand. The Mishnah said that the Balabais put it into the Ani's hand. There was no mention of any basket. The basket was totally made up, says the Gemara. We cannot assume such a thing to be true. So, but we're back to where we started from. We have a kasha. How is it that when I put it into the Ani's hand, that Yamachayev, I'm not put, putting it into a place that is four by four? So the Gemara attempts something else. Ella Amar we could say that the person almost scoops his hand all the way down to the ground and he accepts it. The Ani is doing the acceptance, it's placed into his hand that's all the way within three Tzvachim within the ground. So if he lowered his hand all the way to within three Tzvachim of the ground, then anything that is placed there is as if it is being placed on the ground. Remember, we have a principle called Lavud. Anything that's within three tfachim is considered to be attached to the ground. So even if it's in his hand, but if it's lowered all the way down, that it's within three tfachim, and we're able to consider the hanacha to be as if it's on a makam that's four by four because of the close proximity to the ground. So the Gemara says, Va'omed kitani. It said that the ani, the ani was omed. He's standing in the street. If you're standing in the street, then how is your hand so low? So the Gemara says, what's so difficult? Beshocha. He was bowing. Meaning he's standing in the street, but he's bowing all the way down and his, and his hand reaches within three tfachim. Perhaps he's standing in a, in, a, in a hole. So he's standing in the hole and his hand, he's standing up straight, but his hand reaches above the hole within three tfachim of the floor of the, of the street. Or we can answer bananas. Perhaps we're talking about a, a, a midget. So if we're talking about a midget who's very short, then it's possible that even when he is standing, his hand might be within three tfachim um, of the ground. So the Gemara has just given three very creative solutions how to make sense of a per- the, the person standing in the street and still holding his hand out, something going into his hand that is within three tfachim of the floor. And again... What does the mission mean when it says, Nasan Musaf Yadah Shabala Bayis? The Ani's outside and he says... You're trying to understand why the Gemara was bothered by the, the Traskal? If, yeah. if you, if, no, no. If, if, what else would the Ani be putting in the Balabais' hand? Okay. Still a missing word. That's what the Gemara is bothering. Amar Rava. Tana Kohani. So the Gemara Rava comes back and he says like this. Is the Tana going to say all of the cases because of those creative ukimtas? In other words, if you, that's the only way you're making sense of our Mishnah that these three creative cases, that's what the whole mission was talking about. A midget, someone standing in a hole, or someone bowing all the way down. Meaning, basically, in almost any case in the world, when you put it into somebody's hand, it comes out your button. Because you, you really, you're not putting it into a place that's four by four. It has to be. You're saying Gatana said that whole Mishnah for those wacky three cases. That's too strange. So the Gemara says, Ella Amarava, finally we get a solution that sticks. How is it that you're chayav, you have to put it into a place that's four by four? Says the Gemara, Yado shel Adam chashuvalo kedalid al dalid. A person's hand 
is significant as if it's four by four. It doesn't, so four by four is not, you know, an absolute din that it's got to be four by four. It has to be a place that's significant. That's the point. Not on like a little crevice, like a little ledge. That's the point of the din. So if you put it in someone's hand, oh, that's something you, you've been machshed of that hand. You give it significance. So therefore, it's, it, it meets the requirement for doing the hanacha on a place that's chashu. Continues the Gemara now with a similar law once we establish that principle. Somebody who throws an item and it lands within his friend's hand. So I throw something into my friend's hand. The thrower is chayev, which is really the halacha that the Achir mentioned up on top. That when you throw something and it lands directly into someone's hand, it's chayev. So the Gemara says, What's the novelty? I guess the novelty is that a hand is considered a place that's chashav four by four. Says Marv, Amar Yochanan Chadosimna. Rabbi Yochanan already told us that. That's where Rabbi Yochanan explained our Mishnah. That putting it inside a hand is considered placing it as if it's a makam that's four by four. Says the Gemara, He gives significance to his hand. In other words, the, the, the one who did the malacha was trying to put it specifically in a hand. Like in our case, in our Mishnah, the case was that he goes and he puts it in the hand. So there, the one who did the malacha has given significance to the hand. There's, oh, I'm going to put it in the person's hand. But let's say I randomly throw something. It happens to be it lands directly in my friend's hand. But I wasn't, it's not like I was playing catch necessarily. I'm aiming for the hand. I'm throwing. I'm throwing into the Rishus. I'm the, I, my kavana is my intent is it should land in that domain. It lands in somebody's hand. So I haven't given significance to the hand necessarily. So maybe in that scenario, the hand isn't as significant of enough of a place. Maybe only if I intend for it to land in the hand, does the hand become a place that's significant in its own right. So I would say in the case where I was just throwing it and it happened to land in the hand, aim a low, I would say not. Perhaps in that case, it's not considered like landing in a chashav place. Kamash malon. So we tell us that's not the case. A hand is always significant. A hand is always like a place that is four by four. Continues the Gemara. So this is the law that we have stated before. Now the Gemara just has it from an Amora, that if he threw it and it landed in a person who was set in his place, then, then the thrower is Chayev. But if it was a running catch where the person had to move from his place to catch it, then the thrower is Potter because we view the Hanukha as being done by the one who ran to catch it. We quote what the Bryce has said up on top. If the person stood stationary in his place and he caught it, then the thrower is Chayev. But if he had to move from his place to catch it, Potter, then he is Potter. Says the Gemara. Very creative question. What if a person who throws something does both the Akira and the Hanacha, but in a very interesting way? He threw up a, like a, he threw he threw himself a catch, mm-hmm. meaning he threw up the ball and he ran and he caught. So if you think about the case, it's very interesting because he did both of the Akira and the Hanacha. So why wouldn't he be? Eh? He did both that here and that So the Gemara says as follows. Mimi Baile, tell me the root of the question. We're wondering about two, literally two strengths, meaning two disparate points of action in, with, from one person. That's what we're wondering about. Two strengths from one person. Is it one person and he is obligated to do Or is it like two people and he is Potter? Take it. We don't know the answer. What, what does the Gemara mean to say? What's the point of the Gemara? So it seems to be that the point of the Gemara is something very deep. 
It's not like a checklist here. We have to see. To be liable, you need to do Akira and Anach. Clearly, the guy did both the Akira and the Anach. The Gemara is questioning whether there has to be a sense of fluid motion between the Akira and the Anach. In other words, the Hotsa process is, is, is a fluid motion that starts with Akira and ends with Anach. But if we don't see that fluidity, it's just that I threw it, it randomly was, that I ran and caught it, then it wasn't, I don't see that that Anacha was made from the Akira. I don't see that motion as a flow at all. I just see a random Anacha happens to be that the person did, but it's a random second strength that he put in that's unrelated in the fluid motion of the way it started from the Akira. And the Gemara is therefore wondering that perhaps we should, we should say that he's Pater in that case. And the Gemara doesn't resolve this question. The Gemara stops there. Okay. Now the Gemara continues. Amar of Abad, Amar Biochran. Hichlis yadel tzochatzer chaveru v'kibel megi shaman v'hotzi. Chai. Let's say someone puts his hand into a chatzer chaveru, into his friend's courtyard, and he catches rainwater in his hand, and he catches the, the rainwater, and then he carries out the rainwater. So chayev, he's chayev. In other words, we're basically saying that catching the rainwater in his hand will make it now in Akira when he takes the rainwater out. So he'll do a hotzah, he'll be chayev. Of course. What's your chiddush? What's the difference? I'm sorry, not what's your chiddush. How does it make sense? How does this make sense? What's the difference if his friend put it into his hand or God put it into his hand? Either way, he's not doing an akira. Meaning, if I put my outstretched arm into a chutz, what did the Mishnah say? If someone puts something in my hand and then I take it out, am I viewed as doing an akira? No. The outstretched arm into someone else's chatzra. Someone and someone puts something in my hand, I take it out. That's not an akira. If I take it out of someone's hand, that's an akira. But if someone puts it in my hand and I take it out, that's not an akira. That was the Mishnah. So what's the difference if my friend did it or if God did it? God making it rain. I stick my hand in his chatzra, the outstretched arm, and I take the rain that God is giving me and I bring it out. That's not an akira. What's the difference if it's my friend or if Hashem? So the Gemara says, Lo akiba. You're right. You shouldn't say that the case was that, that he caught the rain that was raining. Ella kolat. He himself, he himself uh, collected it. He himself collected it. So meaning, it basically, it sounds like the, it, the stream was running down and like he, he pushed with one hand, like Rashi like just illustrates, like with one hand, he pushed some of the rain into another hand. So he basically pushed it into his hand, pushed some of the rain that was flowing down into his hand, and then he took it out. So the Gemara says, okay, so now it makes sense that he did an Akira. He did a real Akira. So the Gemara says, What happened? The water was flowing down. So where's the water? Wherever it is, flowing down, but it's not at rest at a place that's for. What's happening? The water is raining. It's flowing down. He pushes some of it with his hand into his other hand, and he takes it out. So the Gemara says, he's not doing an Akira from a place that's for. So the Gemara says, the case was that it was raining and it was falling on a wall and it's falling off the wall and he's able to scoop it off of the wall. So the wall is a place that's four by four and we view as I'm doing an Akira from the wall. But the Gemara has a very simple question. The wall, something on a wall, the wall is a vertical thing. So the water wasn't at rest on the wall. So if the water wasn't at rest, then I'm not doing an Akira from, 
from the wall because the water wasn't at rest there. So the Gemara says, It's like Rava said, and something else, that you can have like a sloped wall, a wall that was on an incline and things could rest on the wall. So we could extend Rava's Ukimta to our case as well and say that the water was on some sort of slope wall, it kind of came to rest there, and then you pushed it off from one end into another hand and you took it out. Now, so the Gemara says, Where does Rava come from? Where did Rava say this Ukimta that we're applying here? So the Gemara says, Aha did not. Rava said it on the following Mishnah. This is a Mishnah in Eruvit. A person is reading like a book. Now, this is funny, we're learning this after Purim. It's important, you have to illustrate it like a Megillah, right? Rashi points that out. Like a Megillah, it's like a scroll where there's one end that like can fall out of your hands, but you're still holding the other end. Like that's the way you have to make sense of this case. So a person's reading some sort of Megillah on a, on, on a ledge, and the first part of the Mishnah we're talking about, the ledge, it's like a Karmelist. It's kind of just like stuck above the street, but it's not like a private domain. You're not high above. It's not ten tefachim above or anything. So you're in a random like karmas. When it's galgo, I say from miyado, this one end falls out of his hand. Now, technically, when one end of an item falls out of your hand, there should never be a biblical problem to bring it back. Why? Because as long as the item is still partially by you, you're not considered to be transferring the item if you bring it back. Even if it would be part of an item is in Rosh Hashayachet and you bring it back to Rosh Hashayachet or vice versa, on a biblical level, you never violate Hotzaba like that. Because until the item is completely being moved, we don't view it as a movement. So halacha, really, if you're holding one end of the Megillah and you just want to roll it back up, the, the end that has fallen, then really on a Darisa level, there's never a problem. But Midrabanan, theoretically, we should be concerned. They don't even let you do a partial thing. But in order for the rabbis to get involved, we have to see that, that it's transferred between two places where it's biblically prohibited. And then we can be machmir, even though you're holding one end of the Megillah. But in our case, it's not a problem because you're in a Carmelis. It's, it's dangling down where? To the street. Okay. At worst, you're only dealing with a Drabanan type of transfer here, Carmelis to the street to begin with. So the fact then that one end of the Megillah is still in your hand makes that it's not a problem. The Iskupa here to understand this is what the Gemara in Erevin tells us. The Gemara here doesn't tell us, but the Gemara in Erevin tells us in the ratio so far, the Iskupa is a karma. However, let's say you're on top of a roof, which is a Rishasayachet. So I'm on top of a rooftop, a Rishasayachet. And the end of the Megillah falls out of my hand. And now it's dangling off the rooftop. As long as the, the, it's not dangling within the airspace of Rishas Arabim itself, it's still above Ten Tvachim. Remember, Rishas Arabim doesn't go higher than Ten Tvachim. So go Letzel. Then, of course, I'm allowed to roll it back because forget about the issue that one end is still in my hand. I'm not doing a transfer at all. It's not even from Rishas Arabim yet. But once the end of the Megillah dangles into the airspace of Ten Tvachim, now I'm not allowed to roll it back. Even though, again, biblically, I'm not doing something wrong I'm, because one end is still by me in the Rishas Sayachet. So even if I roll, even if I bring back the other end that's now in Rishas in Arabim, I bring it back to Rishas Sayachet, biblically, I'm not doing anything wrong. But Midrash Bonan, they said not to. Midrash Bonan, they said that even though you're holding one end of the Megillah, don't transfer the other end of the Megillah, which is in the airspace of Rishas Arabim, back up to you to the rooftop. So what should you do? In order just to, you know, so it shouldn't be lying there in Bizayon on Shabbos, you should turn it over, flip the Ksav over, turn it over on that side so that the Ksav is not exposed to the air. Okay, so then when we learned this mission on Erevin, we had a Kasha, my why do you have to turn it over? Why can't you bring it back? Because it, with Rabbanon, they said you're not allowed to transfer, even though you're holding one end in your hand. 
Why are the Rabbanim being so strict? It's dangling into the Rishos HaRabim, but it's not at rest in Rishos HaRabim. Even the one end of the Megillah that fell into the street, it's, it's dangling in the street. It's not at rest in the street. So I'm not really doing a transfer at all. Forget about the fact that one end of the Megillah is in my hand. Even the other end of the Megillah, it's not being taken out of the Rishos HaRabim because it was never Munach in the Rishos HaRabim. It was just dangling into the street. So why are the rabbis being so strict? Even in the case where the one end is within Tent when the rabbis should be allowed me to, allow me to pull it back. So that's what Rava answered. It's talking about a, a, a vertical, a verti- yes, it's a vertical uh, a wall, but it was had a slant, and therefore the Megillah came to rest on the slant of the wall. And therefore it was at rest, and the Mamad Rabban, and they said, don't pull it back up to the rooftop. If it was really bounced to uh, three Tzvachim, that would be automatically on the yeah. ground. Yeah. Yes. Ten Tzvachim, the Rabban made it, uh, that, that, that's a stringency. In other words, if it's above 10 Tvachim, you're right. Then it's fine. Because right? it's not in Rosh at all. Right. If it's within 10 Tvachim, if it hadn't come to rest at all, it would also be fine. But Rav explained that the case here is that it was it came to rest on a slanted wall, and therefore, with Rabbanon, even though you're only one in the Megillah, there's still a place for the Rabbanon to be Machmer. We're applying Rav Zukimta now to the case of the water. We also struggle with the water. How it is that when I stuck my hand out and I collected the rainwater, I'm doing an Akira, the rainwater wasn't at rest. So we're answering that it came to rest because it was, as it was flowing down a slant of wall, it like stopped and then I pushed it into my hand and, uh, and I was able to take it out. All right. So the Gemara says, come on, the Metzius doesn't make sense. A, 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 a Megillah can come to rest on a slanted wall that will buy. Mayim, water, is a liquid. It's slippery, right? It just falls down. Is it going to come to rest on a slanted wall? The Gemara doesn't like this mitzias. We can't apply what Rava said in the case of the Mishnah and Aaron with the Megillah to the case of the water. So the Gemara switches it. The case was, it was in a hole. It came to rest in a puddle. And I just scooped it off the puddle. What was so complicated? Why a simple solution? So the Gemara says, Guma But now we make it too obvious. <laughs> it came to rest, clearly. My answer is, maybe in a puddle, a very interesting thing. And when you have a puddle, there are different amounts of water. So if I scoop off the top part of the water into my hand, maybe the top part of the water wasn't at rest. It was on top of other water that was on the ground. So maybe the top part of the puddle is not considered at rest. It's on top of water. It's not on the ground. So maybe it's not considered an akira. And we're saying, no, that we view the whole puddle as one big body of water that's all on the ground. And therefore, whenever you scoop off some of the water, you're doing enough. And the Gemara clarifies, Mara clarifies this. He may have said, water on top of water is not, is not considered a rest. Kamash Malon, that it is. But as the Rava the time it's like something else that Rava said. Water that's on top of water. This is the way it is at rest. Meaning to say, you don't isolate this part of the water versus that part of the water. It's one big body of water that's at rest. But in contrast, if I have a walnut, that's floating on top of water, it's a random, strange object in the water, in the puddle. So if I were to take the walnut out of the puddle, that's not Nakira, because I just have this random walnut that's inside the water, it's not on the ground. So it's not considered to be considered at rest. Now the Gemara wonders, what if the walnut is in a cup, and the cup is floating on top of the water? So am I now taking the, if I take out the walnut, am I taking it, am I doing an Akira or not? Buster egos as lean of Do I go after the walnut? The walnut's at rest. The walnut's inside the cup. 
Or do I say, or maybe I go after the cup and the cup is not at rest. Why is it denied? Because the cup is moving. So do I look at the perspective of the cup where the cup is floating around so it's not rest and therefore it's not an Akira? Or do I look from the perspective of the nut? The nut is at rest inside of the cup. It's in the cup. It's always staying stationary in the cup. Just the cup is moving. So the Gemara wonders whether taking, doing an Akira would be considered, whether that would be considered an Akira. And the Gemara says in that take, similar type of question, Shemin should suffer gave yain. What day I have? Would it matter if the cup was for talking or not? To create its own shoes on the water? So we have to, it's a good question. We have to wait for that for daf ches. It gets complicated when you have things that are moving. All right. So now if I have two liquids that are on top of each other. In other words, we said a big puddle, all the water is at rest. It's one big body of a puddle. But what if I have liquids that's floating on top of a different type of liquid? Oil that's on top of wine, right? Oil always floats to the top. So oil is on top of the wine. So if you take off the oil, if you're doing an akira. In other words, is the oil at rest? Or do we say, no, it's not at rest. It's just floating on top of the wine. What is what is this And we're drawing a very far-reaching comparison here. So we're talking about a tful yom. A tful yom who touches things, he can make one thing that he touches tame. That thing that he touches will only be in other words, a tful yom is like a shini. In regard to the laws of truma, he'll make what he touches into a shlishi invalid for for eating of truma. But that that's all. We'll stop there. Meaning. If he touches item A, it became Tame, that item can't be Matame, something else. It's already reached its maximum capacity of Shlishi. So if, the, if I have oil and wine, and the Tzvul Yom touches the top layer, he touches the oil, is it considered that he's touching one big puddle of the whole liquid, so all of the liquid becomes Tame, or he's only touching the oil, not the whole thing, and therefore only the oil becomes Tame. How do we look at that? So... So that's what we're saying. But here it's two types. That's our, here's, the, here's the variable. I have oil that's floating on top of wine. So perhaps here it's distinct. Even though we said before, if I have a big puddle of water on top of water, it's all one big thing. But here the Mishnah, the Mishnah we're talking about with the Truma, it's, it's oil on top of wine. So I'll go tell you, he touches the Shemin. According to Tanakhama, we isolate the oil. The oil is viewed to be distinct from the wine. So he's only invalidated the Shemin. No, it's called a chibur. It's called one big puddle here. We don't distinguish between the two types of the liquids. So the Gemara is now relating that now to Hilchos Shabbos. It's an incredible comparison. So to hear in the laws of Shabbos, if someone takes off the oil from the wine, is he doing an Akira? Was the oil at rest? So if it's considered one big puddle with the chibur, so yeah, it's one big thing. The whole thing was at rest. Whereas if I isolate the oil, then the oil is floating on top of the wine. It's not at rest. Now the Gemara continues more to some of the halachos about how to do so an Akira. relevant to, I mean, not the Tabori or also, I would assume, same concept of separating, you know, considering the Chubara or not, no? Maybe. Maybe. Amar of Aben, Amar of Yilai, Amar of Yochanan. Hayatan ochlunu mashkin. A person is loaded up with foods and drinks, meaning he's carrying things on his back. V'nechnas v'yotze kola yom kula. And he's entering, he's entering and exiting all the day Long He doesn't become liable unless he stopped. So what are we talking about? We're talking about something, just to understand this, means that Rashi says that, explaining that the case was the person hadn't picked up these items with, with intending to take it out. His intention was just to move them around within the room. So you pick up something, you pick up a can of Coke, with intent you're just going to move around the room with a cup of Coke. And then eventually you leave the room and you go into the street. You're not high. Because the Akira wasn't done bidas to be an Akira from the Rishos. 
the adas, the intent of the akira, when the malacha is beginning, wasn't to do a malacha. It was just to move it around within the room. So that's not considered to be an akira with das of a malacha. So even if I go in and out into the street, back in the room, back on the street, back in the, all day long, I'm not chayav. Because I never have done an akira for with the In order to be chayav, one thing that's going to have to happen is I stop. And once my body stops and I'm holding it, now the chifetz becomes back at rest. And, and then, and just one second, and then once I go ahead and I decide to move again to take it into the street, then we'll say that that's considered a new akira. But as long as I'm just continuing my original akira, the chifetz hasn't come back to be at rest. And my das in the time of my original akira is only to carry within the room, so then we're not going to say that you're going to be chayav from that. Even, I have to say. Even if you come back for the same moment. Right. As long as I don't stop, I'll be part So Amar Ahmad Lafish. What is stopping me? I could stop for different reasons. I could stop to readjust the load on my back for the need of the things that are on me, or I could stop to rest. So Abai is saying it's gotta be a real stopping, a stopping to rest. How do we know that? Let's say it's within four hours, a person stops to rest, he becomes potter. Meaning, what's the halacha in the street? If you carry something four hours in the street, you're chayat. That's a different halacha we haven't really learned about yet. We've been talking about transferring, but there's another halacha. Carrying things on four amos in the street is high. Within four amos, I stop to rest, I'm potter because I broke it up into two. If I stop just to readjust the load, you're high. So we see this idea that stopping, telling coming to rest, it really depends about whether or not I'm stopping to rest or I'm stopping to adjust its load. Stopping to adjust the load isn't considered that the item came to rest. So what was the novelty here of Rabbi Yochanan? My Kamashmalan. The novelty was that even though he didn't Akira, it wasn't with the intent to make the transfer. And therefore, even if he ends up making the transfer, he's not liable. And that is based upon the idea that Shabbos works with machsheves, with thinking, with intended, calculated ways of doing the malacha. So if I didn't do that, the, the original Akira with Das to, to transfer, I'm not chayv. What's the novelty? We already know about this from another Rabbi Yochanan. He said it in the same idea, just in a different words. Someone who's moving things around from one corner of his room to the other corner of his room. He's busy moving things around, but all within one room. Suddenly he changes his mind. He walks outside the room into the street. He leaves it and takes it into the street. Potter, he is Potter. The same exact principle. Because he hasn't performed the Akira when he took it off, made the item stop it being at rest. And he was okra He didn't do it with Das to take it out. So that's exactly the same novelty that we're saying here. We said it here in different words. But it's the same point. So the Gemara says, You're right. These are just different Amaram quoting what Rabbi Yochanan said. One was Rabbi Abin, one was Rabbi Safram, Rabbi Ami. But they're expressing the exact same point. That in order to be of the Akira that you've done, that you do has to be with Das to take it out. So if I picked it up with Das not to take it out, even if I subsequently changed my mind to take it out, I'm Potter. The only way to be Chayev will be if I stop, the item now comes to rest, and then I, I continue walking with Das to continue to take it out. Continues the Gemara. Someone who's carrying out from a street, from the street, um, from the uh, you're in the street, but I'm saying you're from a, a, a store, a store which is a Rosh Hashanah and you're carrying it out into the big Rosh Hashanah. But you don't go directly from the store into the street. You go Derek Stov. They used to have these like almost like like benches, like almost very similar. Sometimes you might can see such a thing today between a store and the street. 
So you're not going directly from the Rishas Hayachad to the Rishas Harabim. You're going Derech Stav. Now the Stav is not considered either Rishas Hayachad or Rishas Harabim. Because it's not a Rishas Hayachid, but on the other hand, it's not a Rishas Harabim because people don't walk there so well. So you're going really, you're going through a non-neutral, through a neutral zone, you're going from Rishas Hayachid to Rishas Harabim. So what's the law? The Tanakhama says, I'm Chayef. As long as I don't stop there, so ultimately I went from Rishas Hayachid to Rishas Harabim. Who cares that I went through a place that's Potter? But Ben Azai Poter, Ben Azai says I'm Potter. What's going on? So the Gemara says, Bishlam Ben Azai, Kasavar Mahalech, Kaomid Dami. An extremely novel idea. Walking, each step that I take, each step is its own independent thing. It's as if I stop. Ben Azai says something which is very hard to understand. Mahalech Kaomid. Walking, each step, I'm done. So I never make, and I, the only way to be high, according to Ben Azai, is if I take a step directly from Rishus Hayachin, and the next step is in Rishus Harabim. Because then I've gone directly with an Akira from Rishus Hayachin to Rishus Harabim. But if there's a, any neutral zone that's between them, and each step is considered like I stop along the way, so then I stopped in the neutral zone. So I came from Rishus Hayachin to, 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 to the neutral zone, and then from the neutral zone into the street. But I didn't carry from the Rishus Hayachin and then go into the street. So according to Ben Azai, according to Ben Azai, uh, the, pers- the person would be Potter, a big Chiddush. El Rabbanon, but the Rabbanon, okay, they don't have to hold that. Nay, Nami, the Kasafar Mahalak Lavka Omidami. Maybe they don't hold Mahalak Omidami. That's obviously a very novel idea. But Hekri Ashkaak Nakiyakav to the Potter. But the Gemara has a different problem. Who says you're Chayav when you go through a neutral zone? Meaning, perhaps we need some precedent on this, the Gemara says. Perhaps you're only Chayav on Chavez if you go directly from Meshusayachim to Meshusarab. But who said you're Chayav if you go through a neutral zone? Meaning, even without the idea of Malach Omid Nikidami, that it's like I stopped in that neutral zone. Even if it's not like I stopped. But maybe that itself, that the transfer went through another zone, should make me Potter. The Gemara is looking for a source on that, how it can be that you're Chayav. So the Gemara says, Every single time, now this goes back to something we haven't really learned so much about, but the law is that besides for transferring Rishuyos, if you carry something for Amos in the street, you're Chayav. So it's a separate halacha. Meaning, there's one halacha if I carry something between Rishuyos to Rishuyos, I'm Chayav. There's another halacha that if I carry something for Amos in the street, I'm Chayav. And those are two separate halachas. In fact, this last one is a halacha on the Moshim Sinai we're going to learn in the 11th parak. It's something that almost seems like a separate halacha uh, from the halacha of transferring. So think about it. How do you, when you walk four steps before Amos, how are you chayat? You're walking, you have to walk a certain amount. You have to walk four Amos. So the first 3.9, you're pater. And then suddenly, as soon as you get to four and you put it down, you're chayat. So, so, so to here. Who cares that you're going through a neutral zone? Eventually, I get to a place that I'm chayat. So just as when I'm in order to carry something four Amos, which is the whole four Amos is not a place that I'd be chayat. And I only become chayat once I go four Amos. So to here, let it be that I go through a neutral zone and I wouldn't be chayv if I stopped and put it down. But once I get to the street, I'll be chayv. It's a very interesting comparison. And the Gemara, the Gemara looks at it, uh, the Gemara, the Gemara will, 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 will rejects it right away. I guess we'll, we'll finish tomorrow what the, Gemara's, what the Gemara's rejection is. Just to think about an interesting question. According to Ben Azai, the Mahalach Ka'ome Dami, how are you ever chayv for carrying something for Amos in the Rishos Arab? Every step that you take, it's you stopped. And we learned that if you stop within the four Amos, then it breaks it up, you're butter. So according to Ben Azai, you should never ever be chaya for carrying something four Amos in the street. That's a famous question of, of the Yushalmi.